0: Mike, Tony, Mark, thanks for joining me. Um, much appreciated. Um, you good. I'd like to, uh, yeah, hi, hi, hi. I'd like to say that I've come with lots of um, well-prepared questions, but I haven't. Um, um, I, I outsourced it to Mike, I outsourced it to GP, GPT, as that uh, was all good tech companies um, should do. Um, and, and what I wanted from this session is just have a conversation around identity access management, and um, one of, Authenticity, and as we see the landscape, not advocating any products or anything, but just something that you know our audience can consume to, to help them in their decisioning and their execution of um, of you know strategy and delivery. All right. So um, the first question that caught my eye from uh, from my from ChatGPT was this one. I'm going to read it verbatim. Um, identity access management often involves complex authentication processes. And multiple security layers so how do you do strike the balance between security user experience innovative innovative approaches seamless authentication and making it frictionless whilst getting strong security like how do you do that
1: yeah
0: and why is it ironic what have I missed
1: no I mean the word frictionless is is, is the key point point in all that um mm. I mean how many of us you know you've got the security people they're they're growing in numbers and they don't want a major incident so they're in the background saying wait a second wait a second meanwhile you got people and you know we've got different customers some of them are old some are young they experience the product this is the front door um, as mark said offline so you know it's like sometimes the first date you want, you want to make a good impression and you got it's got to be easy so it's got to be easy but you got the security people saying wait a second wait a second so it's a real challenge so you have to seek out products that um, understand that and work towards making it Easy for the end user. Otherwise, they'll go somewhere else.
2: Hmm. Uh, and, and like, uh, not not to talk about any products, but a certain phone manufacturer and their facial recognition technology is probably the best example of frictionless authentication. Um, the 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 where you don't need a username, you don't need a password, you don't even need a passkey, right? It's there in case it fails, but you know you literally just look at it and it unlocks. and and so that that's kind of kind of when everybody needs to get to in a lot of ways. Um, you know we had the biometric sensors and they can all be scammed with people's fingerprints and and things like that. and and but having multifactors of biometrics and having things that can't be scammed, is, is is always a difficulty, I think, when you move away from something you have to type in and know.
1: Um, uh, yeah, you need both, like what you know yeah. and, and what you have. And uh, yeah. I, I still think about Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you know, he ripped the eyeball out of someone and went through all the gates because it was eyeball recognition. <laughs> um, yeah. And like as we get into deep fakes, like how do you prevent that? I don't know. Identity is like a really, uh, the more you look at it, you go, Oh my God! <laughs> how how yeah, are we going to prevent stuff like that?
2: Yeah, and and that's why I like the facial recognition from that company, um, which which is because it's 3D. It's not like oh, okay. uh, the one from the other company is not 3D. So you can hold up a photo, and it will recognize the photo. But yeah. um, the other one won't. It won't work with a photo. It only works with a three-dimensional scan. Right. So, um, which is it? Which is really interesting. That that said, my daughter can unlock my wife's phone, right? <laughs> at, at a certain age. Um, so
0: if if, if I, I'll, I'll come back to deep fakes, I'll come back to three D uh, facial recognition technology. I'll come back to those two themes. But the first question is, you know, how do you marry security in an innovation agenda? And we have customers right now that are struggling with that that, that exact topic line. Mike, I heard you say, look, it, it's a challenge. But you have to seek out products that enable that. I think that's a fair replay of what you said. Seek out products. So, what are the hallmarks of those products that enable you to strike a balance between um, innovation and, and and a strong
1: security posture? Like, what what, what 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 comes to mind when you think of that? Um, I don't know what products Mark was talking about, but um, i I will um, <laughs> violate your rule and say Apple has Face ID, um, which I quite honest I I didn't trust for years but um, it's just so easy and I have to believe that that information stays on your phone right so I just look at my phone and away I go and that that is that is so good so what I'm doing here is I'm trusting Apple uh, and by trusting Apple I'm relying on the world to tell me that it's trustable so that's 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 one of the aspects of open source people you know don't know about open source, but you've got the whole world looking at it um, so that's that's a different topic but so um yeah you need you need some trust in in the the technology that's providing that sort of identity recognition mm. and and the world of web too where you know we apply for a mortgage or something the bank has it, it becomes a honeypot I mean that's I don't know. Whereas this thing, it's on your phone, and if you believe it's on your phone, where you go. So there's some there's some trade-off of uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna have centralized security, then it's got to be really really good, and you got the entire corporation working on it. So it may be a honeypot, but it's behind defense in depth, where it's like a moat and a castle, and you know you've you've got multiple security controls at different layers to to make it work. Provided it's easy to use. So that's that's the two trade-offs that
2: we're
1: yeah. talking about. And, and, and
2: it, it, uh, just on no, that, sorry, no. I was going to say, yeah. that, that's a, a, it's actually an interesting point because a- Apple's a private company and and they're, they're asking their user base to trust them mm-hmm. that they've put all the right controls in place. They're not letting governments access their data. They're not letting anybody access their data. And And as Mike said, they're telling you that the only place your facial recognition exists is on your device. Um, You have to set it up on each and every device. It's not something that gets carried across the cloud um, and and you can use on other devices. So um, interesting um, that that is that because ultimately they are a private company and if they decide to stop, then everybody's phones are locked. Um, Okay. Uh, or, or that, well, or that's why that's why you have, as Mike has said, said as well, the defence in depth. You've got your face. If that doesn't work, you've got your password. If if that doesn't work, you've got your reset codes for your account that you can get into. Um,
1: um, yeah, it's so, actually, sorry, I actually. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say that's true on on the client side, but I was actually thinking more on the server side. So if we're going to believe. Um, banks and corporations, they better have their act together from what you just said, like defense in depth, because uh, it's, I mean, it's almost essential that you know everything that's going on. That's what identity access management, the management aspect of it is. And the best way to do that is with a really secure identity store. Now, if you got one, (laughs) then, you know, there's the target right there.
2: I, I actually, um, i I keep coming back and back again to, to just to go back to the question of of um the importance of balancing security with user experience and, and that maintaining strong strong security and um, Tim Lee came up is uh, working on an idea for web three which is um, what equals having a pod and and New South Wales government's actually implementing something similar, which is you get given a repository to put all your passport, your driver's licence, all your identification details, but you own it. It's yours. It's It doesn't belong to a company and a company requests access to it. So there's only ever one copy of it, which is what you own. And if anybody wants your identity, you give them an API to connect to that says, yes, this person has a validated passport and it lives in here, but they never actually get the details. And so I think we actually need to move to something like that where it's API driven and the and so people don't only need one credential, which is me. it's like my face um, which no comments about my face, thank you. Um, so but uh, you know it, it, it's so you have a central point at the moment, the problem that people have, and I think why security teams work so hard to secure identities and everything like that is that they're all keeping a copy of your identity. Yep. everybody's got a copy, and then they become liable for that copy of your identity, right? And so the the, the reason that security teams try so hard to put all these controls in place and, and oftentimes make it a really horrible user experience is and a really high-friction experience is because they're trying to collect this data, keep it, protect it, make sure that it's valid, make sure that they've checked every place that they can um, to, to do it. And then they're holding onto this information, which... They then become liable for. And 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 to be really honest, in the future, it's like if I was a company, I'd be going, like, where can I just go and check somewhere that this is about? It's like getting a credit check, right? You, you go to the credit check company and go, Can I see this person's credit details? Are they all good? And they go, Yes, they've got this rating. And they go, Yes, that's within our boundary, off we go. Right. And I think identities need to get to that place as well where where the identities are owned in one place and people just literally check in and go does this person have a valid driver's license they said it's in queensland is that true yes does this person have a valid passport they said it's australian yes that's true they have a valid passport and it's been verified by the passport office you know birth certificate is their birth certificate details up to date and are they correct yes well they should be because they were born so they should be up to date so um the the you know like those documents together should then identify somebody but there's no reason that if you have a if you have a central place that's authenticated those documents with the source then all you need to do is actually have a valid check to say do these things exist you don't even need to read them
1: but now you're now you're getting into trust again so yeah. i actually agree with you like 120% because i i i believe in that sort of technology but now you're kind of talking about a notary public so signs off that these things are okay and do you trust them if it's a government let's say it's a third world government (laughs) do you trust them uh maybe not so it's 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 actually a very difficult problem um what you're suggesting what sir tim berners lee is doing i know the the project you're talking about and it actually is everyone has their own and the question is where they put it so you can actually have a what he calls a pod and that may not be on the cloud, it might be in your house, so you know, on your it's, phone, yes. or on your phone. Exactly, like is is this you? Um, pretty much now, like you know, you, that's your wallet, everything. <laughs> so uh, don't lose your phone. Is the... mm-hmm. I think it's just uh, just um, come back to this,
0: maybe you know, maybe it's my if, if I'm the average person trying to understand this, I'm still going okay. I've heard what you've said, I've heard about the future, I've heard about Web3 and, you know, wallets and access to information. I I do have a a point I'll get back to on it. But but what I'm asking, again, is how I strike a balance between innovation and security, so the third time in. And what I'm hearing, um, which is where I'm a little bit confused maybe, is that there's an option by by using a device like an iPhone and using, uh, Mike, you used the word, um, Open source technology, or a company where the, the data is held on on a, on a device for it, and then Mark, I heard you talk about you know the the, the challenges of um, centralized devices and um, security teams trying to manage the security of those. And but in that, I haven't really arrived at an epiphany of an answer, other than my, you made me think it was it was your interim, your, inter, your middle point in those two block ends, and that was you can do it. As long as you've got all um, suitable you know I think you said moats and securities and protocols around it so so am I I hearing that you just have to um set up the um the uh, an environment that is as it is right now deeply protected but with strong guidelines from which innovation teams can build and release as long as it meets those guidelines is that what I'm hearing needs to happen but that's the problem many organizations don't do that is is is
1: that the answer um that's kind of the state of the art as far as i can tell so there's NIST who like the defense in depth is the term that is used and um yeah it's at, we're at this point where we have to do all these things cuz you have to but where mark was alluding to is kind of i reckon the future where um you know you you have you are in self sovereignty you are in control of your data that person doesn't need all, like what's happening is all of our stuff is getting duplicated everywhere and worse, like people are monetizing our data. So that kind of sucks. So um, what would be better is is if we could sell our if we really wanted to, but really we have control over it. And just like Mark said, the green tick, you know, we, we are uh, energy efficient or, you know, the equivalent in, in identity. You are you. I always thought that'd be a great website. You are you, but. Never got around to
0: it yet. And <laughs> how far away is that? Okay, so again, that's a path, and uh, understanding what um, owning your own data—you know, decentralized finance, decentralized identity—you know, where you where you own that. I, I get it. And um, actually, I asked someone yesterday this. What's the name of the company that's building that blockchain solution, if it is a blockchain solution? Or who is building that identity? Well, who who has got that happening? Um, is, is there an example of who's doing that really well at the moment?
1: Uh, yes, but we're not supposed to mention products. But um, I do have a colleague. who. Uh, so, again, identity, actually, the more you look into it, like there's things like... Um, Let's talk about provenance. So let's say you make a bottle of wine. So now it's not the identity of you. It's like the identity of a thing, which is the bottle of wine came from Australia, not reproduced in China or some other knockoff. This is it. And that's like one of the strong blockchain cases. So this company I know of, they, they get into that area. Um, there's another company I've been involved in with called Holochain, which is kind of like a blockchain, but it's your own blockchain. So the thing about blockchain is there's one blockchain, whereas this one is like your own. So it's getting more and more not just yeah. decentralized, but distributed. So there's a difference between those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do like
2: Holochains, by the way. Mike, I did have a good read into, this, into the yeah. thing. And, 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 and it's quite, I think it's quite mature now.
1: Well. It's been going for yeah. a while.
2: Yeah. It, it, it does look like... Oh, to me, it looks like a better... More efficient um, version of blockchain, but because uh, it, uh, it's distributed, as you said.
0: But, 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 I, I Can
3: think you explain that, um, you explain
0: it's, that it's, to it's, me then? I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Do you want to go off on a bank? the uh, yeah, tangent? Okay, we'll park that I'll come back to it. I'll park it and come back to it. I don't even see student to it for it. Let's come back to what you're going to say, Mark, sorry, yeah.
2: Um, New South Wales government's trying to implement a central repository for your identity um that you hold. And as Mike said, the the I think one of the blockers for that is that it's the government that holds it. and so and and I think that that then comes down to the thing of like you know you need to separate government bureaucracy from government of the day. And um, you know you've got things like that. So okay, so the the passport office, in the UK or, or the Birth, Deaths and Marriages Department here in uh, in New South Wales, um, or there in New South Wales here in Queensland as well, have, hold give you a pod when you're born um, and they hold the record of that pod until you decide to move it somewhere else, right? Um, and, and and I think that the, the thing is that pod is portable, but it's validated by, it would always have to be validated back to the Department of Birth, Deaths and Marriages. And where that data is held and where that, Of information is held, is it becomes a a trust issue again? Like, do you trust a government department or agency to hold on to that, or would you trust it being hosted in AWS or Azure Cloud or or your own cloud storage provider? And and that you have again, you're you're giving it, putting it into a realm with another commercial provider. Is it on a blockchain uh, type environment where it's hosted in many places, but nowhere. Um, so, uh, like, like um, I think that bit needs to kind of be worked out still because uh, at the moment it still sounds like a very centralised solution. Um, but but I, I know the New South Wales government's trying to do that thing where, like, okay, yes, you've got a driver's licence, yes, you've got a birth certificate, yes, you've got a passport, and then you get provenance issues where passports are federal, driver's licence and birth certificates are state, who owns the data? And, yeah. and
1: that's the tricky bit. Yeah, so that's
2: the tricky bit. So those things there, are still being worked
1: through. There's, uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, maybe patented, but there's a, it's called Deep Key, but it's actually uh, DPKI. So in other words, distributed public. What's the case stand for? Infrastructure. Um, so uh, PKI public, is, public is, is all infrastructure, D- Yeah. Yeah. Key. So your key is is encrypted and everything, but by distributing it like on a blockchain, then it's like completely scrambled um, and you need the key to get to your key. <laughs> now, now we're getting back to user uh, experience problems. So you need something that your grandma can just rock up to her browser and, and um, it works How? however that works, like she doesn't even know it, like there's, you know, face ID or whatever. So yeah, it's it's actually quite a problem at the moment. And, and we're talking about two mm-hmm. or three different problems here that are all kind of mush together, so. So, uh,
0: you know, forgive me if I'm asking you to explain to me like a five-year-old, <laughs> not as a new five-year-old, I'm the five-year-old. Um, what, I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that it's almost impossible to balance the need for security and um, innovation um, in the current environment until um, certain protocols are accepted. Is, is that what I'm hearing?
2: Um, Actually, I'll stop you there. I think there's a misconception that you can't have innovation with security. But what you're saying, you need to balance innovation and security. I I, I actually think there's a lot of innovation happening right now in the security space to enable frictionless identity, right? There's a lot of things that are happening, innovation that's happening with security technologies to make them user-friendly and seamless pass keys that are coming into uh, the browsers, all the major browsers, uh, the two major operating system platforms, three major operating system platforms. These are <laughs> um So you, you can, there's lots of innovation happening around the place that is trying to remove the need for a username and password. So if I have a device that's got a pass key on it, I can use this device to authenticate me because it's already authenticated on all my information and it just needs to say, here's the private key that matches that public key and you're in, right? Um, Pass keys are basically the old public-private key, PKI stuff that's just been automated and distributed um, so uh, into browsers, So, and and that technology's been around for I don't know. Ever since I can remember, so decades, yeah. um, it's just and, never and been easy
1: to use. Now they're
2: just making it easy to use.
1: So. Just to expand on that in browsers, like um, so. People, a lot of people use Chrome, which is from Google. Edge is now based on Chromium, which is the open source equivalent under right. Chrome. So again, back to the whole world can check whether you know Google's. Trying to do something sneaky or not because it's it is open source. You can see the you can see the code if you know what you're looking for. There's enough people doing that, so that that's yeah. kind of a trust thing as well. There's also zero trust, which is the opposite, which is I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody on this call. I don't trust any. No. Um, so uh, and this Fair might <laughs> this might be in a in a network. So. Um, You know, part of identity is also, as we get into Internet of Things, there's like a gazillion things out there all needing an identity and access to things. So that's a whole other realm. But um, the idea is that they each have, I kind of see it as like a firewall, but really what it is, the way it's being implemented now is a broker, which is a third party again. So I like things simple, but that's kind of making it a little more complicated. Now you've got someone else to the, the whole point of it is they don't have direct access to whatever it is. That's import the keys to the castle. So you have to go through something and that's it's being barking. implemented now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways to, it's, it's all emerging. It's all getting better. And what's the main thing is awareness. Cause uh, you know, we're seeing it. We saw, we saw it last year with Medibank and Optus and stuff. So um, there's a yeah. couple brand names that, yeah, <laughs> they got hit.
2: Uh, and, and, and I think, The the user experience right now, like if I look at my kids who are in their 20s and um, they just, they're they're putting usernames and passwords together and they're trying to do the right things, but they also just assume that everybody knows who they are and has their identity anyway, right? So, So anything they know that anything that they post, they just go, oh, it's public. It doesn't really matter how hard I lock it down, it's public. So anything that I put on the internet, it's public. And 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 to, to an extent as well, they kind of see that stuff that's on their computer, people will get to as well. So the, the, there's this, in the younger age groups, I think there's a um, lackadaisical approach. To security, I think us older folk um, have much more concerns, whether that be through age, experience, knowledge about what's happening. We can, we, we understand the, the, the breaches and where that data goes. Like, for instance, all the breaches that have happened in Australia, you mentioned the Medibank, Optus, Latitude, um, just to do the three big ones. It's like somebody gets their hands on those data sets, aggregates them, cleans them up probably got enough information across all of them to go move to Europe and set up a bank account and um, open it, buy a house, do whatever you want, and the person back in Australia wouldn't know. Mm. Right? So so how, how valuable is your identity, right? It's not going to be valuable until you go to Europe and find out you've got a $2 million debt in Europe that the uh, police are hunting you for in that country that you just landed in. Um,
1: you, actually, you know, that that so I, I was going to say actually uh, have a have a watch of black mirror season six episode one that is amazing um, i don't know if you've seen it but uh yeah. basically yeah. All, you, all your devices construct who you are and makes a tv show out of it in real time <laughs> so that's <awesome>. that's,
0: <laughs> i'll, I'll, I'll check it out yeah. we, i'm gonna i'm just gonna come back to the question right and then i'm gonna replay it um, and this is one of the areas that's a deep challenge for me because to get to the point when it's so complicated is really hard. Like I'm, and I I'm And I assure you, I'm working my brain like, okay, so what am I hearing here? So the question is, uh, again, how do you have a, 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 a simplified as a frictionless experience as possible and an innovation agenda whilst being secure? Frictionless and innovation whilst being secure. And the, the, the themes that I heard back from you, were, number one was look for products, identity products or products that enable you to do that. So they already exist on the market. Um, if you can't use one of those, then have um, enterprise security is robust and thorough, and innovation has to happen within the framework set out by by those enterprise teams, because they to all the data or whatever. The third was, look for the next wave of innovation, whether it was um, web three or holochain or whatever whatever the thing might be. And then the last thing I heard was adopt an innovation agenda that correlates to your trust posture. So don't try and innovate if you have a zero trust policy for some, for some reason. You know, like it has to be within your realms of tolerance. So those five things those five things are what I've heard back. Oh, other than point six, watch Black Mirror season six, episode one um so i i i i got those things is, is is that right so is is that is as raw as it is because the number, the, the first thing we we talked about um i'm, I'm going to come back to this like is the you know and i'm not trying to avoid naming products right here but i just don't want to make i just don't want to appear like we're um uh, on on a ticket of any sort here so feel free yeah. like you you guys are the experts but, but that's it so is it really that there are products Exist on the market. Like I, I run a bank, let's say I run a, a mid-tier bank, and I want, I want I've got to drive innovation, or I'm going to go out the back door, and I've got to have my data protected, which is centralised at the moment because I own customer data. And so this is the, the case study. And I also know the next wave of um, this is a little bit cynical because I from podcast today is like the next big thing for organisations of those that own unique data sets and share it with the world but it's unique data sets so they can create unique experiences so i'm the ceo of a bank i need security i need innovation and i have to own my data so i can offer bespoke products to my customers is, is the number one answer that there are products on the market that do that for me right now yes
2: in, in terms of products okay great end. <laughs> um, well, in terms of products, you need products that can be automated. You need products that can be easily integrated with other products. Okay, so any 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 identity product that is standing alone, I think in this day and age is doomed to fail. I think if like if if I look at the chain of products to onboard and offboard a person that needs to be there to understand that the the uh, I'll come back to that, the, the role that they play within the company, where they're actually operating from, and how they're actually operating. If you if you understand those three things about a person, you can pretty much, and you've got the right products behind it that are can be automated, that can be integrated easily with other with other products, that can integrate with workflow engines. You can make a seamless user experience from those tools. Um, But understanding a person's role in your company when they come in is probably the most critical thing. Um, So so what are they doing? What do they need access to? How are they going to operate? What privileges do they need? Like this is all hard work that people need to do. Once you understand that, then when they log in and they get given the right permissions, everything becomes seamless to the user because they just go and open stuff and it works,
1: right? Um, yeah, we're we're talking about a couple different. Like you're talking about internal users or users within an enterprise, and then yeah. there's also the end user, depending on what your product is. But yeah I, yeah, I agree with you. And 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 what you're talking about is setting up processes and basically IGA, which is governance and administration of identity. You need that, and once you have that set up, then the tools there are tools that match those sort of things. And away you go. Yeah, automation is pretty important. You don't want another person. You know 5 p.m. having to get up and yeah, yeah. yeah exactly.
2: the, the, the more humans you insert into that process the clunkier it's going to be yep. so so um, the, the so, so back to the thing it's like there's security at each layer and each application and each system and each whatever that a person has if, if 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 you want a good user experience whether it be a customer coming in to use your services or whether it be a person internally within your organisation who's providing a services outwards, you need to understand the chain of things that they do and the things that they need to access to do their job. And if you understand the privileges and the access that those people need, you can then start improving that experience and 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 also improving your security as well because you know from where they're logging on when they're logging on when they're meant to be working so so that covers off one aspect big aspect of security with identities it's like when do people come in where do they come in from so if you suddenly see Mike's logging in from Portugal you'd be going Mike why are you logging in from Portugal? You're meant to be in Victoria and you guys like yeah, I jumped a plane and went to Portugal. It's like, why did you do that, Mike? <laughs> you know, you can have a conversation about that, right? So, um, and 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 if he's genuinely there, he's genuinely there. But you can also then start setting up boundaries. And I know a lot of companies have done this and just basically said, You're no longer on sovereign soil for Australia, so you can't bug in. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a big... it's just you're stopped. Right. It's a it's a big problem because you have third parties so who are vendors and they're probably experts and you do need them at certain times maybe middle of the night so you have to have processes around that and and tools that handle that and then you have um, let's say you got to, let's say you've outsourced something like your support desk and it's elsewhere uh, what's to prevent them from you know holding up an RSA key <laughs> I've heard about this where you know it's actually publicized so that it lets a whole bunch of people Use it because they're just lazy, so they don't have the same uh, ethos of that you have to instill. So it, it, a lot of that has to come. Security has to come from the top, and you know you can turn it around and just. It's important. Management says it's important. We got to do it. So so and VPNs cool. can say I'm in Portugal, Mark. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just going to replay what I, what I heard there, and um, there's. I'm hearing that the best thing that people could do is choose an identity product, right, just to start. And in that identity product, that's how we got to this. You're looking for something that's automated, and it's easily integrated, and it has the ability to um, do – I think you used a term, Mike, I think you said governance and identity of the users. Did you yeah. say that? I, you a I, IGA, term. yeah. Identity governance. And administration.
2: What IGA.
0: Mark IGA. said, yeah. I didn't quite put IGA. It right. Order, but yeah, yeah, okay, and then and and then the IGA needs um, they can allocate roles and permissions to internal customers, but it can delight external customers with frictionless experiences. So uh, there's only there's three things: automated, um, easily integrated,
1: and it's got IGA. those are the three things that people should be looking for in identity product right. Yeah, well, I, IGA is, is more the governance and, and the admin, so it's like a a philosophy, and then and then you find products that. Have that. I mean, uh, in just about any industry, and especially in in uh, security, there's compliance, which is good. So now there's a, a, a benchmark that you try to hit. And that's at many layers, mm-hmm. like um, there's Sys benchmarks, which are actually hardening of the actual tools, all the way up to um, what's called ISO 27001, which is you have a management system that shows an, audit, an external auditor that you've got all these things in place. So th- that, those are really good starting points. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny because I was talking to a
0: vendor of one of these products the other day, and um, and I, I think it's a good product, right? Uh, as I understand, and um, um, we were talking about what the of, of challenges of the customers understanding IGA specifically um, and identity governance as, as the number one thing they're asking about, like how do you do it and what is it, and you know. Um, so it's interesting that you guys have raised it because not 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 knowing that I've had, had elsewhere, automation, integration, and IGA is a thing that people are struggling to articulate as embedded in the software. Um, and I also see other companies saying, "Oh, we do um, IGA as a specialty, but you know, but but that's not integrated with a software thing, uh, you know, a specific software." And again, I'm avoiding names here. So I think. Um, it just feels like an interesting space and and even even in this experience i i feel like I'm lucky that you guys were we all were together, but I feel like there's just so much and it's hard to have it articulated succinctly back to me, which is partly why I wanted to do this to to share it with our community right so um Tony, you look like you're furrowing your brow there. Like you've got, uh, you've got, you've got an answer for me. No, say. I haven't
3: got an answer. I've got a question there. So coming come away from the technical side, which these guys are just awesome at, there, it, it's like, like I'm hearing that if if a if a company goes, uh, we want to change, we want to improve our systems and everything there. Actually, the, there's a precursor to making a change to the system. Uh, of saying, well, put your processes in place. There, get those defined. Get your governance there in there. And so basically, you have to do a lot of pre-work before even identifying which platforms you should be going for.
1: Yeah, fair okay. point. But but also, um, you know, change management. Like a lot of things because you're going to change something. It's got to get better. So it, it's it becomes a Uh, a sales pitch internally to to get people to get on board and the best way to do that is if management you know signs up commits to the fact that yeah we need more security and i've seen it and it's not just i mean you can look at quality which is kind of boring uh in terms of manufacturing and stuff it's the same thing iso 9001 management system management signs up same thing's happening now in security where uh problem with security is it doesn't make money but you can Sure as heck, lose money if if uh, things go bad. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I, it, it's well, one It of could things, be a
2: sales a point, Like, like, like yeah. it, well, it's a bit like service management, right? Like everybody goes and does ITIL. As like ITIL wasn't making money, right? It just gives you good processes and and basically articulates how your company is to function um, uh, from a technology point of view. And which security is one of those tenants, but but security is the same thing. It's like as you said, like it doesn't actually make you money by having it but it can sure as hell develop trust with your customers so that they want to deal with you they'll come back and then it can do the exact opposite like if it's highly frictioned access things don't work because of security controls it will lose your customers so but you know you know like the, the, there's it's it it, it it it's an indirect um influencer over how people interact with your organisation and I think back to identity I think that that's one of the things that's really really important and is is understanding your internal people and your customers and how they want to interact with you so back to what Tony's saying like you've got all this pre-work that you need to do up front I guess which is what what are your cost customers for your what are the policies for your customers how do you want them to act what experience do you want them to have you design that you've got the technology behind you you can implement it and and most of that technology is there these days so there's still there's still i think it's rapidly changing and rapidly innovating because of all the cybersecurity breaches that we've had and the way the breaches have happened like most breaches have happened because of stolen identity and because of a misconfiguration Yep. They basically use the stolen identity to get into the organization, and then they go looking for misconfiguration within the organization's security controls, right? There's, so, and then
1: the- I, I everyone, read a statistic that uh, like 85% of the ways in is through phishing. Like, you know, click the mm-hmm. link in the email, they're in, that sort of thing. That's, that's another aspect. Give us the details,
2: off too. you go. So, well, phishing is the way of collecting the identity, right? So, but yep. but it's the identity that gets stolen. And people don't change their passwords. Um, they don't they on you know and there's arguments about whether you need to change if you've got a really solid password. Do you need to change that regularly or do you only need to change it when you're notified of a breach? But the problem is that you've been caught with a phishing campaign, you won't know that the person's identity's been breached. Right, uh, the, particularly I, if I read it's a that, targeted spear phishing campaign. So
1: I read that uh, username password is no longer adequate. You must have MFA, and I kind of yep. agree that you must have a second thing that you you know verify against to make it work. Just just for your benefit, Chris, just to understand the processes Tony's talking about in the in IAM, there's really four main things. One is you're onboarding a new person, so there's a new person coming in. Another one is they're leaving. Uh, Another one is periodic review, which is called a user access review. And there are tools that make that easier because it's up to the line manager to say, yes, this person should be in this role. And then it's like a matrix. So it depends on how many people are under you, how many roles. It's a multiplication. And the fourth thing is a person has to disappear quickly. (laughs) So there's something seriously wrong with this person. Get rid of them. Get them off the the yeah. systems immediately so those are the four things the four processes and i am would you agree tony or have i missed
3: oh some? no I, I would agree completely but, yeah?
1: you
3: know, okay. that, they, they definitely need to be there in place and thought up like, well before you yeah. put in the actual systems in place then can i might can take back a question because i don't know the answer when you say security doesn't make you money which is fair enough there. But is is there the potential to, for there to be a security scoreboard? So, like, out of a hundred, their companies get ranked as to their security profile and structure, and therefore they are deemed more secure than other ones, and therefore couldn't get like customers. Is there a way of that being done?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, it was kind of a half-baked thought, and you guys ran with it. But um, the, I mean, it, it does cost. Like at a superficial level, it is a cost center, not a profit center. But as Mark was pointing out, it, there's a reputation, and as the industries grow to appreciate the fact that you're secure, like I, I know a company that this ISO 27001. They like the first meeting. They said we've got it wasn't even a security conversation. They just said it because they were proud of the fact that they've set this up and I think in the next couple of years, that's going to become a real positive. To answer your question, um, we should probably find out. I bet you there is some sort of ranking. I'm sure there is. It's the internet, but uh, it, it, again, it's 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 the, the you know do people appreciate? It? Let's ask Chat GPT just a second. No. Yeah. <laughs> who's who's
2: the highest rated uh, secure
1: company? Um, yeah. One of the other things is yeah, we, well. We, in, in... we are.
2: Oh, there you go. one of the other things as well is just speaking of 27001 there's a plethora of things that you can do to get certifications if you like on security um, there's frameworks you can follow and you can mark yourself against the framework that you've covered off all the aspects of the framework and things like that but frameworks being frameworks are inherently not a ranking mechanism because everybody will implement them differently but, but, but one one of the things to be really careful of, and 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 I know the other guys on the call have seen this, is people doing things to meet compliance rather than fixing the actual problem. Yeah. And and um and so I, I would always be cautious about how somebody has met that tick box. Um, and uh, I'll just go Twitter blue tick, but um <laughs> uh, the the uh, the, the the, how, how someone has met that compliance becomes really, really important. And um, and I think that's where a lot of companies have got themselves caught up in, in problems in that they've identified a risk, they've closed it off with a manual workaround or or a, a process or something, but they haven't actually fixed the underlying problem that the risk was raised around. And then because they've closed the risk, they don't want to open it again when somebody finds the problem's not fixed because they go, well, we fixed that problem ages ago. And so there's this type of war about what what's happened and 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 with identity, as I said, like with 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 all the problems that have happened with identity and all the breaches that have happened around identities, and we're now I think facing a world where can you cause because it comes back to trust again, can we trust the identity of this person that's logging in because was it an an identity that was breached? So how do you now check for was that a compromised identity? Is it is it a compromised data that that person is using? So, therefore, that identifies them as a hack. And, you know, Australia has, basically, in this case, 25 million people as opposed to the United States that's got 370-something million people that you'd have to check against. Like, how do you check the identities of those people quickly so that their experience of creating an account and looking in is actually seamless and and then you've also got the other problem with identity which is anybody can log into google and create an identity
1: with any name they want uh i think they're tightening those up a bit like like you know like facebook um i don't know if anyone ever goes there anymore but um yeah you need this kind of i've created something okay we're going to send this to your phone so at least there's that now the problem is phones can be like there's a SIM problem where you can fake a SIM. But at least um you can buy a SIM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the you know um I think it, I still in my mind at the moment multi factor is is the best thing we have from an end user point of view. And then at the mm. the other end, you know, we can talk about decentralized and centralized, but if you've yeah. got this store of identities, three hundred and seventy million Americans, then you better damn well have it sorted out there is this other problem which we won't even get into which is called uh the the insider threat <laughs> so you've got uh especially when you're dealing with sovereign you know um someone's in trouble so the the russians come and pay them off and all that sort of stuff which is another aspect of it i think i'm not, you
2: know i'm,
1: I'm just
0: Yes,
2: Mark, you had something else to say? No, I was just going to say to jump to the future of identity, I think we are going to have to get to a point in some of the things that we've talked about before where you do have, a, each individual does have a sovereign identity that uh, they are responsible for and that can't be faked. So you can't have people creating fake accounts with your name. Like you can't have people creating And 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 you know it's going to be hard. Like how many John Smiths are there in the world, right? Like how do you identify one John Smith from another John Smith? You know, um, DNA. So yeah, DNA. (laughs) Like like so so there's going there's going to have to be ways that because all these identities are out there in the marketplace now, and we've had you know we we know about the ones in Australia, we've heard about the ones in the states, in Europe, in the UK, and stuff. These identities that have been stolen, they're out there in the market. They're being used by people to create scams, buy things, sell things, pretend to be other people. um, And and so how are we going to get to the point? And I think this is where the security and innovation come in as well. Like we've we've got to get really innovative about how how are we going to get that sovereign identity there in place in a wide scale? So when Chris McGowan rocks up and presents his credentials, we know for sure that that is Chris McGowan, right? we 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 know that that's not somebody else with a deep fake ID from um, you, you know, generated by AI, with Chris's voice saying, "Hi, I'm on this video. I'm Chris McGowan. he this is my details. This is, you know,
1: um, Speaking of uh, Facebook, today, they announced or yesterday, they announced uh, they've got a product that's too dangerous to release, and it's, It'll take two seconds of your voice and they can reproduce everything and yeah. Which is like a real threat now. So
0: mm-hmm. I, I think um that's terrifying by the way, isn't it? Watch you know? Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will. It'll be more I terrifying. I can only watch one episode of Black Mirror at a time. It's probably the only TV show that I do one. I cannot be watching. I I agree. I agree. Too much. (laughs) I'm going to. I'm just going to wrap up uh, and and replay some of the things that I've heard, and then you tell me if I'm off. And um, and. uh, and, and also um, commercially make a hypothesis. Actually, no, I'm not going to call that a hypothesis because there's too many smart people here, and they'll just go, "That's not a hypothesis." So, rather than call that, I'm going to posture an idea, and then replay. What I, <laughs> <laughs> and then re- re- replay, replay what I've heard. And Tony, it's really interesting to hear your um, your replay of this, and I think that shows to me the uh, the advantages of team synthesis and, um, and, um, and j- joined up thinking of different intellects, um, which is a, an area of study that I, I'm into right now. It's another thing. But, um, and, and Tony, really, really got, it's really interesting that 45 minutes in, I get cut through. Um, and it goes a bit like this. Um, I would argue that um, security isn't a cost center. I would argue it's an opportunity center. Um, and I think it's an opportunity center if done right I heard that um, if you wanted to be an opportunity center, it has to be sponsored from the top. I heard that from you, Mike. And I think you need, from the top, you need to ask what experiences do you want your customer to have? Um, I think then you need to understand um, governance and put governance in place. And then you need to identify the platforms that enable that governance, enable the opportunity center. And then from there, you need to use systems that already use secure biometrics and multi-factor authentication because there is no better platform right now. And then the last thing is to have a change as a vector throughout the program from the beginning so it's being used. And if you can do that, then you can balance innovation and you can balance security um, at the same time. And that's the only way. Is that a fair idea
1: or replay of what I've just learned from you three? I, I I think you're a very good listener and a very good synthesizer. <laughs> that, was, that was really good.
3: I, 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 I think that's really good. I wanted to add one thing on there that Please. I didn't hear there, is that there needs to be, because these things can't be put in place very quickly there, and, and they're all linked, there needs to be a roadmap, a very clear roadmap that is explained there, and needs to be taken to the end because it, many companies don't do the whole thing and they drop bits out or m- miss something out and then it all falls apart so that would be the only thing say. Yeah, good mm-hmm. point.
0: i think yeah i'm going to, i'm going to include that as a final point is be prepared to pull together a roadmap and take it to the end take 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 it all the way to the end you know you know what i really like about this thinking i was um i, I saw um, I don't know if you guys joined lunchtime. I saw um, a um, it was slated to be a I think it was a sixty million dollar project that we did or fifty million was slated to be that we we did as a company, and um, uh, and I am going to mention a couple of products uh, in this, and uh, but I won't mention the company. And I saw that the organisation and, and Mark and Tony and my you, you've hit the nail on that, I saw that they said we need to reduce. Um, call center, call times by 50%. Yep. That was the executive problem, not what platform. Reduce the time by 50%. And then what happened was that they developed a pilot for how you would do that for one customer. And then they defined the processes around how they could scale that. Well, if that works for that person, it's reduced by 50%. How do you do it for the next person? So, what was supposed to be 50 million ended up getting delivered for about 5 million. Um, and, uh, and what you said, Mike, is absolutely true. It was underpinned by one of the off the shelf products, uh, which I don't, I will say in this particular case, it was Okta. That wasn't the intent from the beginning, but that's what happened. So, it was a staggered build a pilot and then assess. What needs to happen? But building that pilot enabled them to to, to, to get their heads around, well, what do we do with, with all of the things you mentioned? So it's it's really interesting because when I think about what we do with cyber and building pilots, it's really the synthesis of those things. And what I'm observing of Andrew's special projects division and our cyber division is to get really clear and sharp on the way that we articulate these things. But the, but, but the way I say that is whilst this then becomes internal content, I think our customers are really struggling with this. They're really struggling with. it. I, I'm the CEO. But what I'm hearing from cyber, what I'm hearing from digital assets, it's really, it's super challenging.
1: It's 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 relatively new. Um, like you know, and these are all hmm. new concepts and and lingo and you know what's the what's the glossary, Mark? You've been waiting. <laughs>
2: oh well, uh, that that is is kind of the. Point I was going to make is, is that one of the things that's really hard about identity at the moment is that there are so many systems and and technology platforms that have been built without security mm. in the forefront of how we identify users and use users. So one of, one of the things that's been, I've, I've known about security for a long time is that retrospectively trying to apply security to something that's already been built is going to take you 10 times longer, cost you 10 times more, and and it will do everybody's head in trying to work out how to implement it without interrupting customers, without interrupting process, without interrupting the business. And that's what everybody's scared of. And so a lot of people are looking at their systems and going, we need to secure this stuff, but we don't have the hooks and the and the controls in place to be able to do it. And so we need to re-platform, rebuild, re-architect, go to the next version. And so it's it's kicking off all these discussions and they all cost money. Um so so I I would say I would say some things. If you are a new startup and you're starting from the beginning, I think you can be absolutely innovative around security you can be innovative about how you bring users into your organization and do things and you can make it frictionless and it's easy do it do it up front get it right and and consider it from the word go build it in and then you'll have a a, a, an easy time going forward the the where i think a lot of companies are struggling is they're looking at their let's go today so previous today their legacy environment what's already there and going how do I retrofit all these new security requirements to that legacy environment and make it compatible with the things i want to do in the future and so they're going be innovative do new things and they're going we're going to implement this but then we can't retrofit it back into other systems and so and particularly in, in, in bigger companies, the, the bigger the company, the more systems, the more things they need to control, the more complex it is to, to move backwards into the things that are already there um, and, and to do that. So, so So I think part of the problem with explaining security to people is you're trying to explain it to them in the context of what they already have and how to fix what they already have, and that creates complex and challenging conversations. Um, and-
0: so surely the same principle surely the same principles apply though, because you know you know not all start we're a scale up we've been through startup you know security protocols only became really i mean you'd think you'd bake them in the begin, but they really became important more recently right as we've as we as grown, but that wasn't the foundation of of, of us when we are a startup so but I think if you're a product or a tech or you you've got certain, sorry, I just want to draw those distinctions. But if I think about a mature organization, if I wanted to create a, now now a mature, if I wanted to create an innovation today, I've got legacy systems, I've got, you know, dynamics in the background and all sorts of zero and all these other things. But if I wanted to do it from today, from first principles we just talked about, firstly I need to sponsor it, is what I'm hearing. And then I'm going, well, what benefit do I want to do with my customer? And what I've also heard is if my core system, zero dynamics, Whatever the hell else we've got, and just can't do it, then I have to consider building outside of that ecosystem and building the pilot. From uh, building a pilot that um, that gives my customer the experience. What, not Tony? Not Tony? um, Mike, I saw you process that, um, and I feel like I'm off. I'm off. I'm off the Uh. mark there. What are you thinking there?
1: Uh, There's a couple. So, first of all, uh, about half an hour ago, I mentioned the term defense in depth, which is the moat. There's also another term, which is uh, security by design, which is like, you know, putting it in straight away Mm -hmm. and building it up. Um, We're getting into sort of architectural things. So you mentioned zero, like platforms that work together through Zapier or whatever. But, uh, you know, at, at a core level, it's like microservices. Now, that in itself, it depends how old your corporation or your company is, but that, that may not be a big thing. There's still monoliths out there. There's probably still COBOL out there somewhere Hi. in banks. But um, if you can do uh, microservices, now, you, now you're dealing with little things that you can, you know, talk. And then you get into zero trust where what talks to what and they verify each other. And so it becomes an architectural problem, which... Again, you're going back, back, back. You've got this running system. You're trying to run a business and make a profit. Tony, you're you're all frustrated what when...
3: <laughs> It sounds it sounds like like there's going to be a future of the secure. You know that we went went through a a decade plus of IT transformations. Yes, it sounds like there's going to be a security transformation. Same there. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and and all these very large companies are going to need to transfer over to a completely new security architecture and they're going to be hit with a big dollar number whilst they build one up, migrate over to the new one, and then close the the old one down.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, spot on. Uh, But there is a Pareto principle, you know, 80-20, so go for the, oh, I'm going to use all the cliches, low-hanging fruit and all that. I mean, there's, you know, again, MFA, I'm going to stop saying that, but there's there's ways to plug the massive holes in your dike and then, uh, you know, then you re- refine it and try not be a target in the meantime. Yeah. Guys, but I, but uh, also know really... if you're a target. Oh. That's important. <laughs> Sorry, Chris.
0: No, no not, not at all. No, I was just thinking about your time and you've been very generous. Is there, is there anything else that, uh, on that one topic of the 10 topics we've had, we've spent all of that time on one, but I think we may have touched on the other nine. Um, is there anything else that I should have asked on this particular topic or do you feel like that, that's a good place to end? I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, so, uh, we can anything go on for hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> we can go on for hours, but I really like, Mike segue there really is the fact of know, like, know your vulnerabilities, know your posture there, uh, and understand it.
0: And if you're under attack, I feel like like that's an entire other podcast or recording (laughs) that we'll do next. So, to know your vulnerabilities and know if you're a target is what you said there, Tony.
3: Between Mike um, and myself, yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm going to make that the subject matter for the next time we get together and do oh. how do you know if your vulnerabilities and how do you know if you're a target? I feel like we spent a lot of time on this particular podcast around yeah. innovation and security balance. And yeah. I really think there's some nice um, uh, uh, nice immediate actions that we can take out of it. So, Mark, Mike, Tony, thank you as always for your time.